Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses. I'm John Hare. The Woe Podcast is in its fifth year. We've had a lot of fun over the years. Each year as I look ahead, I set new goals and experiences. Last year, I continued to work with my Oak Creek horse, Scratch, and he's become more confident, capable, and steady. As part of his training last year, we happened to travel to the Cameron Ranch a little over an hour from our home in Bakersfield, California. Owned by Bill Cameron, the Cameron Ranch is set up with several obstacle courses. Bill gives lessons and trains horses, but you might know him from his experience with the Extreme Cowboy Association. After seeing our horses grow in confidence by working obstacles, I asked Bill about competing in the Extreme Cowboy races in 2017. I found out there are two races in California along with a state final. On today's show, we talked to Bill Cameron, his life with horses, and extreme cowboy racing. We were supposed to visit Cameron Ranch this weekend. Unfortunately, the weather didn't cooperate. We recorded this interview over Skype while a rainstorm was moving in. The audio gets sketchy every now and then, but we got the job done, and I think you'll get a lot of good information in this episode. Bill was the 2009 Open Champion at the Equine Affair Pomona Extreme Cowboy Race. Since 2009, he has placed and won many EXCA events. Bill is in the Extreme Cowboy Association Hall of Fame. He's on the EXCA Advisory Board and is a World's Finals Judge and Course Designer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with horseman Bill Cameron. On today's show, we've got Bill Cameron, who's uh, a member of the Extreme Cowboy Association. Welcome to the Woe Podcast, Bill. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and happy to be talking to you. It's uh, kind of a wintry day here, but we've been riding the horses and getting ready for the upcoming race. Uh, Renee and I are going to be participating in a couple of Extreme Cowboy Challenges this year. You've got some going on in uh, January, February, and May. Just to give my audience a little uh, background, you've been around horses pretty much all your life, right, Bill? Yeah, um, I literally was kind of almost born on a horse. Uh, my mom had me on a horse when I was one, just sitting there. And um, I trained my pony when I was four. And when I was nine, I was riding racehorses. And then I got too big and I got into reining and cutting and rain cow horse. And meanwhile, I'm in the movie business with my father. And I've got a vast background in all aspects of the horse industry. I've shown at the World Championships at the Snaffle Bit Fraternity and uh, I've other breeds. I've shown Arabian horses, Appaloosa horses, paint horses, you name it. And the uh, last seven or eight years, I've been traveling the world and training wow. people in all different aspects of horsemanship. So in the 70s and 80s, you were kind of a cow horse reining guy? Yeah, in the 70s, um, right out of high school, a lady named Lola Williams hired me to ride her uh, Appaloosas, and I won all divisions of halter and performance. I would go to the shows with like 15 to 18 horses and and be showing in all the classes, and we had many champions. She had a room full of uh, trophies that I won her. And then at the same time, I started an Arabian stuff named Xenophon, in cutting, and uh, I was quite successful at the first Red Horse show. I cleaned everybody up, 
including the reigning world champion. And then I went straight to Kamala. AQHA, NCHA, huge classes. Malak Rose, the Maoris were there, everybody. 40, 50 in a class, and I walked in there on Arabian Stallion, and I was 21. And they all laughed at me, and uh, <laughs> I got embarrassed and ran out of the uh, warm-up tan and uh, went and had a beer or two. <laughs> And then walked back in there, and in front of a crowd, I got uh, like four standing ovations from a quarter horse people cutting this little stallion. And, and uh, I was very successful with him for about a year. And then the owners uh, got word that I was moving away to a different area because I just lived down the street from this horse. What, what part of the country were you living in then? I grew up in that Newhall, Saugus area. And went to school there. Started running track at College of the Canyons and wow. got sick, very sick with mononucleosis. So I had to give up my track career. I wanted to go to the Olympics. And uh, I was very fast in the quarter mile and the half mile. And I just lost my hip after, <laughs> after getting mononucleosis. So I walked out of college and moved in with Gordon Parks, Jr., uh, interesting man, and I started training horses. Now, I'm not familiar with that name, Gordon Parks. Was he? Uh... Yeah, Gordon Parks Jr., he was a director, uh, and uh, he, let's see, what else did he do? He took pictures for Life Magazine also. Very interesting man. He came out here on the West Coast, and I moved in with him and was showing cutting horses, and Ronnie Myler moved in with us, of Myler Bits. And oh, wow. We were traveling around and uh, riding Easter Sunrise and Banjo Bingo and some horses that are now very famous. Um, I started Banjo Bingo. He became a very famous cutting horse. Um, wow. It was a fun time in my life. And then uh, when I got married, I moved to Solving, and I was there for 18 years. Oh, what a bit. And that's a beautiful place of the I had an incredible ranch up there for 18 years that I built with a giant indoor arena, and I'd keep 40 to 60 horses, and I showed uh, Snavel Bifaturities, and I was always showing at the Fiesta Santa Barbara. I won the open reigning on Done It For Money there, and I was in the stock wow. horse finals many times in the Fiesta Rodeo. I won some really huge reinings, AQHA there on Tijuana Bay. What do you do in Europe? And where do you go? Well, all over the place. I, I could live in about seven countries there. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, usually, yeah, I go to Sweden. I go to Belgium every year. Uh, I go to France. I go to Hungary, uh, Slovakia. Um, I'm very famous over there because uh, what happens over there does not happen to me here so much. Is I get thrown craziness. And most clinicians will not get on craziness or get near it. Uh-huh. But I, I do, and I can perform what they consider miracles in just a matter of minutes over there. Never seen anybody ride or handle a horse like me. And so everywhere I go, I leave my mark pretty well. And then I go to Alaska in June every year for 14 years, teaching everyone in Juneau pretty wow. much. Huge following in Juneau. I give, let's see, I started at 8 o'clock. No, 7 this year I started at 7 last year. 
14 lessons a day for seven days. Oh, my gosh. How did you develop those relationships? Facebook helped, uh-huh. but really it started in Sweden with a close friend. And I started in Sweden, and then the other countries came and watched. Oh, wow. And then they would, like, when I went to Sweden, Belgium came and watched. When I went to Belgium, France came and watched. And Hungary, uh, Slovakia came and watched. Um, In Hungary, I was on their biggest TV station talking to 2 million people for five minutes on their TV. Wow. I have thousands of people come and watch me judge a race over there. Very cool. Over there, they do things much fancier than we do when they put on a race. And their courses are way prettier than our courses. This one guy spent 150000 on a course. Oh, my word. Yeah, and you should see it. It's just unbelievable. The lake and the bridge and the and the rocking bridge. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And they really exposed it over there. Now, in Sweden, their most popular magazine, one of the most popular in Europe is called Lucky Rider. Uh-huh. And she was here about 10 days ago for a whole day photographing me and the horses and she's going to do a big article on me in Lucky Rider. Well, my show's heard, heard in over 80 countries around the world. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm really happy that we're doing this, John. This is great. But my background is mainly raining, cutting cow horse and not a lot of trail and obstacles. Uh, but some, you know, I showed trail and I didn't really like it <laughs> and I don't know why I just thought it was boring. And then this extreme cowboy came along and I'm like, okay, let me see what this is like. And I watched it on TV and I thought, you know what? I think I can do this and I can do it better than they can do it. Cause I have all this raining background and cattle background and roping and everything. So I decided to test my horses out on a few obstacles that I thought were scary and they did them to my surprise. So I entered up the Los Angeles equine affair, Stacy Westfall. Oh yeah. The one in Pomona. Yeah. It was the first one. Stacy Westfall was a judge. Uh, I was very nervous about it, but very excited. And I went ahead and entered it and I took two horses after the first two go-rounds, I was leading the pack by quite a bit, and then I was in fifth with my other horse, and then uh, out of 50, and I was on the road with one hand, and it was a scary, scary, because it was just so many things, and you know, you don't know what to practice for, because we've never even yeah. seen one of these events, so... <laughs> It was crazy to me, and it took a lot of uh, confidence, shall we say, to go in there. Especially when one of the horse I was winning on was afraid of everything. It's quite funny. He was afraid of everything, but he trusted me, and that's what I could never get over in my whole life is how that horse would trust me even though he was a big chicken. And I never got him in trouble, you know. Uh, he was amazing. I did a lot of winning on that this horse I'm talking about, uh, all, all cowboy. What was his uh, name? All cowboy, cowboy up, up. and uh, I I won a lot of uh, other uh, classes on him, including reining and rain cow horse and 
ranch horse, and he was just an all-round horse. I was actually there at Pomona in 2009. I volunteered for Equine Affair for many years and remember that competition. And that arena, while it's um, it's a really a fairly nice arena, but it's covered. And with the people in, under, in the, those stands, that was kind of crazy loud in there. Do you know, I just loved it so much. I would just light up when I would go in there. I would just... Uh, the one lady said, man, when I leave the arena, the ground was still smoking. I was just, I would light up in there. <laughs> I just love the, uh, the attention and the energy. And did you see my run on done it for money when I got stuck in the tarp? <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty amazing run. Um, I got third, even though I got stuck in the tarp, it was pretty amazing. Run. Yeah. I was so proud of that yeah. horse that night. Uh, it was totally my yeah. fault. I backed him up on the tarp, his foot in the, tarp and then it pulled me a little and then it scared him a little but once he got out of it he forgot about it he was cool now you're you're a judge for the extreme cowboy association you're also a course designer you're going to be holding three extreme cowboy association events here in california for someone who's not necessarily might consider themselves uh an extreme cowboy is this a support? Is this a sport for everybody? You think? Extreme cowboy racing is it, you're competing against yourself. You're walking that fine line. You're trying to use all the finesse in the world, and you're doing it with speed. And this is a challenge to every person: is to be able to stay focused and not lose your concentration and get rough or out of control. And when you see us racing around on those videos and making mistakes and large exaggerations that it's not because we do it on purpose. It's because we're pushing ourselves to try to be better and smoother. And that's the fun of this sport. And, you know, any, any type of horse uh, and rider from any country in the world, I found out uh, it's very addicting it's a bond and the bond you get between you and your horse is unspeakable because it's, you know, your, your minds are hooked up together and there's this trust there. And that's the most rewarding part is the, the relationship between the rider and the horse. And then obstacles are accomplishments. And when you start with none and you just keep getting better and better, it just builds this confidence inside you and your horse. And it's, much more than you can get with just a reigning horse or, right. you know, a one event, do one thing all the time. Horses love this stuff if you approach it right. They love it. And uh, it makes them feel important, makes them feel smart if you treat them the right way. And one of the things uh, that people might not realize is that what we see maybe on YouTube and Facebook are usually the pro runs, but you guys have all kinds of different categories and levels so that the, the newer riders can get involved. Yeah, you never get intimidated by how fast the, the experienced riders go because uh, in, you know when you start off, you're not, you're not out there trying to go fast. You're trying to be smooth, and smooth is fast. When you get to an obstacle, there's no rushing. You don't need to rush through obstacles. And, but and when you're going between the obstacles is when you put on the gas a little bit and that can even be a trot 
for beginning riders and stuff. And our low level classes are designed with less obstacles and no jumping or roping or anything mm-hmm. too dangerous. Uh, when we design these courses, we design them to show the skill of a rider and to make them think, but not to scare the horse. Uh-huh. Then once a horse is, uh, I guess I could say it best this way, once a horse is used to obstacles, we add things to them to see if it affects them. Oh, but yeah. we add them in a clever way. So that uh, rarely do our horses get scared of anything because of the way we approach things. Mm-hmm. They know we have their back, so to speak. So your events are going to be held at the Shades of Gold Ranch. The first one's coming up January 29th. Then you have a second event February 25th. And if somebody yes. just wants to, to to come up and and enter the, the competition, can they do that? Yes. Uh, and we do a walkthrough where I explain everything really well. Uh, just to give you a background real quick. Please. For the last five years, I've designed the courses, all 30 of them, at the World Championship. I bring most of the obstacles, and I'm one of only three five-rated judges. And out of the five-rated judges, I've probably judged the most. Uh-huh. Um, been doing it since this event started. Uh, I don't know how long it's been now, since 2007 or eight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, you know, I live this event and like I said, I run the world championship for, and I'll probably be, I'll be doing it again this year. Great. It's a real, uh, love for me to watch people excel and get confidence in this event, but anyone can come to this show and that's what they're going to get. They're going to get the best judge in the country and the guy who designs the courses for the world championship and I'll be able to explain things, and you'll be hearing it directly from the horse's mouth, not secondhand from anybody. I'm also chairman of the board of directors, and I make many, many uh, executive and rule decisions. Cool. Nothing goes by me. I, they always get my approval on everything. So now the three California events are going to be held at the Shades of Gold Ranch in Leona Valley. Um, I've yeah. not, I'm not familiar with that. Can you tell us a little bit about the venue? Yeah, it's a really we sh- we had the uh, state championship there last year. They they built this place just for extreme cowboy. It's a beautiful big arena, brand new, all new pipe corrals and a nice round pen there. Really a nice setting in a valley. Um, we've only had one event there, but it was so successful and everyone really enjoyed it. So we decided that that's where we were going to go. Where exactly is Leona Valley? Well, let's see. If you're coming from, let's say, the San Fernando Valley, you go up to 14. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you drop down into the Antelope Valley, you'll come to Palmdale Boulevard. And if you get off on Palmdale Boulevard and just head west, you will uh, eventually hit Leona Valley. And just because Craig Cameron is associated uh, most his his name is on the Extreme Cowboy Association, and your name is Bill Cameron. You guys aren't related. I get asked this question often, and uh, I, it's funny because we are like brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, he calls me his brother, and we act like brothers, and we're very close, and we work very well together. 
even though we have uh, very different training techniques, our, our ideology is very much the same, but our application is very different uh, mm-hmm. from him. But we get along great and respect each other and love each other. And But we're not blood-related by a long ways. My family comes from a different part of the country than his. But uh, that's what one of the things that attracted me to this event was, who the heck is this Craig Cameron? And then <laughs> Craig Cameron learned who Bill Cameron was. <laughs> I made an impression at the first world championship. It, um, they had a third go round It was finals and that's usually the winner. But instead they added all three go rounds together. And that was the winner. Cause I actually uh, won the finals. I was the highest scoring rider by two and a half points. But I had to come from a long ways back because I had a not a good first go. I was mm-hmm. nervous and stiff, and I rode that way, and it affected my score because the open is really extremely tough. Mm-hmm. How, well, how do you deal with your nerves at, before a big competition like that? Is there, do you have any uh, advice? Well, I keep moving. I don't sit around, uh, but I stay. I pr- stay pretty quiet. And I'm the type of person that uh, I don't really get nervous until maybe a couple of minutes before I go in. And then once I'm in there, I'm not nervous anymore. I'm in another zone. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I can't, I don't hear anything. I'm just in another zone and I'm focused. You pretty much have to control your nerves for that short little time in between uh, the few minutes before you go. And then once you get in, then you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the way I am. And of course you have to like it. You have to want to be in there Yeah. and you know, your confidence level has a lot to do with that. You know, I've done it so much and I showed uh, so much. That's where you get your confidence is going in there and showing and get your feet wet and not being afraid to make a failure. You know, you can't be afraid that you're not going to do it. And where did you learn your horsemanship from? Was it was there one main influence in your life, or did you have several? Well, people? yeah, one main influence that I that influenced most of my horsemanship it was my father, Denzel Cameron. He was a great horse trainer and had many accomplishments in and out of the movie business. And uh, and then I hung around. Some legendary uh, rainsmen and rain cowsmen, and started showing at 17 against them, and then learning from them at the shows. My first, uh, when I got my license when I was 17, I drove to a man named Clyde Kennedy. Uh-huh. And in the 70s, he was legendary rainsman and a jumping horse trainer in the San Francisco Valley. Then uh, I hung around Les Vogue quite a bit in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And picked up some good stuff from him. And then in the 90s, I hung around with a man named Doug Williamson. He's and he blew me away. Right yeah, Doug's yeah right he here. blew me away. Yeah. We did a horse trading. He would let me take some of his stallions to my, I, he would just let me take them and um, ride them and do whatever I wanted with them. I found him to be an amazing man. He is. I've interviewed him on the show. He's a very, he's a cool guy. In my teenage years, I was training lots of horses, lots of horses. Though, by the way, those Appaloosa horses that I was going up, two of them set world's records. Oh. 
And then I went, and then I, that's when I really wanted to be a racehorse trainer. And all my other horses that I trained up until I was 14 years old, I had to stop. I rode two races at Victorville uh-huh. and I won them both. And my mom said, look, you're going to be too big. It's too dangerous. You're not riding anymore. So they stopped my racing career. Uh-huh. And then I, that's when I went into the reining and met Clyde Kennedy when I was 16 and he had a big influence on me. But my father, he was the real horse master and really knew a horse's mind. You know, uh, city slickers, man from Snowy River. Um, wow. He trained some really incredible people and horses. Very cool. For someone who may not be familiar with the Extreme Cowboy Race, since you're um, a course designer, walk us through what might be one event that we'll see on January 29th that a horse and rider will have to face, how they approach it, and then what you look for as a judge. Okay, I can do that. Um, for example, the first class might be novice. Okay. okay. There'll be 10 obstacles. And usually the first and the last obstacle might just be a lope around the arena, which is called a free ride. Mm-hmm. So you might just be looking at a, at eight obstacles, and they'll be in a certain order so that you have to remember a pattern. Mm-hmm. All right? right. You're judged on how you approach an obstacle. The key to extreme cowboy racing is to keep the feet moving. You do not have to be fast to go through an obstacle to keep the feet moving. But the key is to not stop and lose momentum mm-hmm. or go to the left or go to the right. The key is getting a good score, which could be a one on the approach. If it's just kind of not a great approach, but there's no real mistake, you won't get a plus or a minus. If you zigzag or stop, you might lose a half a point to a point. The key is to keep the feet moving from a lope to a trot to a walk or whatever speed you choose to go through an obstacle. Once you've gone through the obstacle without stopping dead in your tracks, the key to the departure is maybe to accelerate at a smooth, quiet pace, whether that be a walk, trot, or a lope. We frown at walk. Smooth and quiet and soft wins over quick, uh, jerky, pulling, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whoever has the softest hands and is the smoothest usually wins the class. Let's go over some of the obstacles that you might encounter. Okay, great. So let's say the first uh, obstacle is the free ride. So I'm going to be watching how balanced the horse is, you know, whether he's heavy on the front end, whether the rider is picking on his face, whether the reins are loose or tight, whether the horse is happy or sad, whether the horse is hot or cold. All these things are running through my mind as I'm watching the free ride. Mm -hmm. As you go around the arena, 360 degrees, the first obstacle might be a rope gate. A rope gate with two pillars that fall over easily if you bump into them. Right. After you go through the rope gate, you might encounter oh, uh, a little narrow bridge, which is maybe only six inches off the ground, but it's 14 inches wide. 
okay, uh-huh. this is a good one to school on because they want to straddle it. They usually don't want to walk on it. Right. Okay, so once you've gone over that, then you might have a rocking bridge. And rocking bridges are something that uh, are deal breakers for a lot of people. It just starts moving and making a noise and such. Yeah. Well, when horses step up on something over 12 inches high, they get a little disoriented. And uh, it's easy for them to just go right off the side of one of these narrow bridges. Even if it's two or three feet wide, if it's two or three feet tall, they mm-hmm. will get dizzy and kind of go off the side a little bit. Mm. So one must keep moving through these obstacles, not stop. Right. You'll We'll have some water boxes probably uh, maybe only four inches deep. Uh, four by six. Mm-hmm. The smaller the water box, the more difficult. Hmm. You will maybe encounter a back through okay, or a back around a barrel or something to that nature. And there'll be some kind of a side pass obstacle. We like to have a cowboy curtain. They're usually about nine feet tall and uh, seven, eight feet wide. Uh-huh. Let's see what else might a novice encounter. Those are the standard obstacles, and that would probably be your basic uh, novice course. Well, and then a free ride at the end. Okay. Always finish with kind of an exciting finish on a loose rein. Makes it look good. It sounds like fun. Renee and I are uh, looking forward to competing. and Renee's going to compete in the novice division. I'm going to compete in the intermediate division, even though I've not done this before, but... We'll see how Great. it goes. Yeah. And um, I always like to close the show with a, a tip to improve horsemanship. If, uh, yes. if a novice is having trouble crossing an obstacle, whatever obstacle that might be, let's say water, what advice uh, would you give them to help them overcome? There is a magic potion for this obstacle stuff, and that is knowing how much to keep your horse stimulated to where they're not wiggling their hips back and forth and worrying, and but they're but they're interested in going through things. And here's what I can tell people: let your horse touch things with their nose. Uh-huh. When they come up to things, let them touch them with their nose and let them smell them. Because if a horse will do that, they will probably go through it. Uh-huh. But a lot of people don't give a horse enough of a rein, and if there's any contact on the mouth, a lot of horses won't go through something. Uh-huh. And another thing is, when you're using the feet or the spur, it has to be a stimulus to just keep them thinking. And what you should be thinking is, come on, boy, come on, boy, or right. that a girl, or that a girl, in your head. And if you're thinking that way and using your feet in a just a stimulus way to where there's no aggression, no, you know, you're not saying get through there at all. You're just, because they know you want them through it. They, horses always know you want them to go through. Uh-huh. So, so the point is that it's not necessary to become physical and become their adversary. You're just, if they're with you and they're your partner, they're going to do it, uh-huh. but they're going to, they're going to identify it by smelling it and touching it first. And I have to tell you, and I rarely ever have a horse that doesn't want to go through something new because of this style of, uh, 
approaching things. Mm -hmm. It's worked wonders. I had some classic cases of that here yesterday. Uh, Really great lesson with a gal. Horse really didn't want to go through a water box or uh, another obstacle. Uh, It was a rocking bridge. And as soon as she found out that horse would put his nose on it, he just, he he would go through them. It was really nice to watch. That's some wonderful advice. I'll have all the links to uh, not only your website, but to um, to link to the event. So if someone wants to become involved in the extreme cowboy races here in California, they'll know how to find them. And I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your stormy day here today where we've had a little bit of technical problems staying connected. But I think we've got some really good material. And, uh, and I look forward to, to seeing you on the 29th in Leona Valley at the Shades of Gold Ranch. Well, me too. I'm always happy to go to these events and run them and judge them and help people and and make sure that they have fun. And another one more thing I'd like to add. That Please. The participants at these events cheer you on. Um, it's a wonderful bunch of people, and everybody supports everybody, and it's one of the coolest things about it. Oh, that's great. So it's almost like family then. Yes, it is a big family. And at the world, now that you've said that, at the world championship, uh, everyone considers it a big family. There's about 200 people that show up or a little more than that. And we all consider ourselves a family back there. Well, good. We look forward to participating. Thanks so much, Bill. All right. Thank you, John. Good talking to you. That will do it for this show. If you've ever thought of trying your hand at extreme cowboy racing, I hope this show gave you some insight. If you're in California, Renee and I plan to be competing in all three shows in 2017. I hope you'll join us. I'll have links to Bill Cameron, Natural Born Riders, Extreme Cowboy Association, and the Shades of Gold Ranch, all at woepodcast.com. If you know someone you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a line. If you have thoughts on this episode or the show in general, it's easy to contact me. Send your comments or suggestions to john at woepodcast.com. Renee and I are going to be in the Austin, Texas area in late March. If you have any suggestions on places to visit, ranches to see, we're looking to enjoy the great music and fantastic food of Austin. We would love to hear about your favorite places. For more about our show and the other things we do, visit woepodcast.com. Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship has over a hundred audio episodes. You can find them on not only iTunes, but Stitcher and Google Plus, and pretty much everywhere else podcasts are listed. And the best part? They're all absolutely free. You can also find a link to our YouTube channel where we have over a hundred videos sharing our life and learning about horses. Thanks again for listening to the show and sharing this podcast with your friends and riding buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Harris saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.